This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Welcome to another episode of Can You Be More Pacific? Talking all things sport across the Pacific. My name is Sarah Nangama. And I'm Dean Hullitow. And yes, welcome to everyone out there. In the next hour, we'll take a look back at the weekend in sport. Uh, we've got an interview with North Queensland cowboy Murray Talungi, a report from PNG, and of course, we go to our segment, You Can Ask That. Dean. It has been a stellar week. You and I have spent a lot of time to, together this week. Yeah, it has been a great week, Sarah. We got to host uh, that Pacific Sports Show for ABC TV. Uh, you can watch it on iView if you want to jump in and have a look. And it was a good experience. It was a bit of a challenge uh, for myself. I know that. How did you enjoy it? It was my first time to co-host a TV show, but I felt so comfortable because I had you in the main seat. And I think because of the relationship we've built here over radio, it was a little bit uh, effortless, you could say. Yeah, it did make it a lot easier to have a familiar face uh, beside me. Tiana Penitani had a, a game. She was playing a game uh, when we were filming. So uh, they won as well. So well done, Tiana, on, on the win. But it was a good, good show, some good guests and lots of fun. Lots and lots of fun. Besides that, how's your week been going? Uh, my week's been more of the same. It's, it's kind of like Groundhog Day almost weekly. I get up and, and it's all about the weekend in rugby league. And then I go to the show and talk about all things specific as well. And look, I, I wake up with a smile every day and go to work every day and love it. Um, but I don't want to talk about boring work. Watch some good. Watch some. Um, I watched some good <laughs> footy games over the weekend. The Tigers won, so we'll talk about that a little bit later on. And uh, that was very pleasing. Made my weekend um, a lot more enjoyable. What about your week, Sarah? What have you been up to? My week has been pretty busy. Obviously, you and I spent Monday together, but on Tuesday, I had this really, really cool opportunity to MC an event um, at the Museum of Contemporary Arts. It was an event that was run by DFAT in collaboration with the Australian Olympic C- Committee. And the purpose of the event was to launch the Pacific Oz program. It's a newly funded program um, that's been put out there to support Pacific athletes in their pursuit of the Olympics. So it was really great. such a different experience to be in front of a different crowd. Um, But it was a spectacular morning by the harbour side. The athletes were really great um, to chat to. But yeah, it was was really cool. That sounds awesome. And well done to the Australian government for getting behind that and and helping support athletes in the Pacific. They're our neighbours and... uh, it's great that, that we can be able to do that and, and give them a platform to, to get out there and, and compete on a world stage. Yeah, there was this one, one person I definitely want to highlight. His name is Inossi, and uh, he is obviously preparing for the Olympics, um, for the Paralympics, actually. He, it's so funny. His sto- not funny. His story is actually quite unique. So he basically um, he lost his leg at the age of 12, I believe, to cancer, and then years later got a prosthetic leg and then he started running and he was like, Oh, you know, I actually want to find something a little bit different. And so he looked on YouTube and came across Javelin and he basically taught himself how to, I guess, to compete. What do you call like a Javelin athlete? Like, well, that's athletics, track and field. Yeah, track, track and field. field. Okay, yeah, so yeah, he basically yeah. trained himself using YouTube. But what's crazy is like this program that we spoke, spoke about, it funded a coach for him. So now he actually has a coach who can help him. But basically his journey started off as being completely self-taught via YouTube. Isn't well, that awesome. insane? That's, un- that's unreal. To be able to apply something you're watching on screen, on, on a computer yeah. screen, and then learn how to do it yourself. Well done. Inossi, was it? Yes, Inossi Mbulimarewa. Okay, well, we'll keep so an eye keep on that, Keep that name in your head. We'll make sure we watch it. Yes. First, let's get to what happened over the weekend in sport and something that occurred 
in the Super League and something that you have uh, a bit of an idea about because one of your siblings was playing uh, mm-hmm. in the uh, English Super League, the Challenge Cup semi-final over there between Hull and St. Helens. There was an injury that occurred. The result of the injury was a try, but the way that it unfolded was a bit unique and some people have questioned whether or not it was uh, unsportsmanlike or whether it should have been allowed to play on. What are your thoughts on what happened? Actually, walk us through what happened. So basically a Hull player, Josh Griffin, went down um, because of an Achilles injury. So if you watch the footage back, he basically comes out of the 10 metre. You can just see that he's clutching at his leg. He, he, his pace just slows down, falls to ground, drops the ball. St. Helens player runs by, picks up the ball, across the line, scores a try. So I guess the controversy that surrounds it is should the players have just stopped to kind of pay attention to this boy or did they do the right thing? They played on. They played to the whistle. Yeah, this is a hard one because I think it was uh, Theo Fage who who was a St. Helens player that picked the ball up. Um, he, he he did what you taught as a kid and he played to the whistle, right? He picked the ball up and he went over and scored. And um, yeah, in soccer, you see this a lot. In, in, in English football, they uh, if there's an injury, they often, the opposition team will kick the ball out so they can make a change. And it's like a bit of a... Uh, an unwritten rule or a bit of sportsmanship that they show in doing that. Uh, but Theo decided that he was going to pick up the loose ball and go for a try. He didn't know what was happening. So, well, I think he didn't know what was happening, but I think it shows a lot about, I guess, uh, where his thoughts were, and that was about winning a game. And it's a pretty important match to a semi-final yeah. for Challenge Cup, which St. Helens went on to win as well. So, um, so yeah. the burning question, the burning question is, should Josh have held onto the ball? He could have held onto the ball, I think. I don't know. I, I've never... It's like it's so in the moment. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've suffered an injury while on field. You're not bloody thinking about the ball. <laughs> I'm definitely not thinking... When I when I uh, blew my syndesmosis and fractured my leg, yes, guys, that's what I went through. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can laugh now because it was my injury. I was not thinking about where I was placing the ball. I was clutching at my leg. So, I mean... I don't want to. I don't want to be a topper here because I get called topper. I think it's a nickname that one of my ex teammates gave me about topping stories. But I fractured. And oh, dislo- are you going a one up on me? I got a one up. Oh, I fractured, okay, let's I go. I fractured and dislocated my left ankle, and uh, syndesmosis gone. Yep. I held onto the ball. <laughs> oh, sorry. So you're telling me that I'm selfish? <laughs> are you saying I'm selfish or I'm selfless? Um, no, you're not. You're not selfish. No, I'm just. I secured, <laughs> I secured the ball, even though I did that. That's, um, okay. I don't even know how to recover from that. <laughs> I thought I was going to score a try, and then I got tackled by Sam McKendry, and he broke my leg. And yeah, it, But I managed to hold on to the ball, and then uh, I got carried off the field. And I did I did squeal when it happened. but That's, that's a unique story, because I don't hear of people often holding the ball in I'm, the midst of an injury. Yeah, I didn't really. You know, like when it happens, you're kind of in shock. You don't really yeah. know what's happened until you look down and go, oh, that doesn't look good. So um, that's I'll, I'll put it down to that then. Okay, fair without enough. Without talking enough. myself up too much. <laughs> Should we get on to the other plays of the week? Let's, please. Well, there was um, good news in New Zealand for Māori tennis champion uh, Dame Ruia. She was awarded uh, – she was named a dame this week in the Queen's Honours list, which is a huge achievement. She's a, a, a great in tennis in New Zealand. Um, she played in an era where um, it was probably a big challenge for any Kiwis, let alone a Māori New Zealander, to, to be able to play in, in, in the international stage in tennis, and, and she achieved quite a bit. 
It's a huge achievement and I'm sure something that she won't be forgetting anytime soon. It also sets a really beautiful example for young girls who are playing tennis in New Zealand to see someone um, like her, I guess, receive all this accolade around her career. It's it's beautiful and I'm, and I'm sure it will inspire some young girls. Yes, very much so. Well done to her. In the Ron Massey Cup, the Silk Tails got a good win on the weekend against the Glebe Dirty Reds, 30-22. to 22. They finally did it. They finally did it. And it was a comeback win from what I understand as well. Really yes. strong performance in the second half. Absolutely. I was talking to Wes Nagama, um, who is the coach and also my big brother, and he said something um, that kind of struck a chord with me because obviously, as we know, the Silk Tails have had such an inconsistent and particularly with a hard crackdown in the NRL, also Ron Massey players have had to adjust to these game plays. And he said something that's kind of worked against them is the aggression um, and like teaching his players how to channel that and be able to use, I guess, the aggression in a way that uh, won't necessarily cost them on the field because there's just sometimes they play, and we all know that players can be quite ill-disciplined and um, a real focus for them heading into that match was let's do this, but let's do this right. And to to their advantage, it it absolutely worked. Yes, well done, Silktails. And the other team, the PNG Hunters up in the Q Cup, unfortunately they lost again to Townsville Blackhawks. 28-38 to was the final score but they still showed a lot more resilience they scored 28 points they've struggled to get over 20 points in the last three or four outings uh, to be able to put more points on the board and have a more consistent performance they'll be happy with that definitely and in the NRL uh, results over the weekend it was a split round so there was only four matches played with eight teams having a bye uh, due to origin being played this week the first one of the the round was last Thursday the Dragons defeated the Broncos 52-24 so big scoreline there for the Dragons but what a huge game Huge game, huge game. And Matt Dufty was on fire. I think he had a he... handle of five tries or something like that. And Hunt as well. He had, a, he had a cracker of a game as well. Ben Hunt played very well. Uh, the next night, Friday, the Tigers, my team, the Tigers, defeated the Panthers. They, they stopped the Panthers' unbeaten run this year. It was 26-6 to at Leichhardt Oval. There is a lot to talk about this game. So let's just, let's just put our foot on the brake and just talk a little bit about this. Because who would have thought that the Tigers would be the ones to break the winning streak of the Penrith Panthers? I tipped them, so I would have thought. Did you? but only because I, I never tip against the Tigers. <laughs> I was going with heart more than head. But obviously the Panthers without uh, a number of players, I think seven all up out of origin. So for them to miss in all those players, it was they were primed for the picking and, and the Tigers made the most of that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, well, they'll, they were up against a side that, from, well, against the Tigers that weren't really missing anyone. So they were at full strength. They were close to full strength. They won the week before against the Dragons. So they have hit a little bit of form. Two in a row is good for them. And they, First this season? And they played good, really good football. Uh, yeah, so it was really good from the Tigers. And on Saturday night, the Storms defeated the Gold Coast Titans 20-14. to 14. What a match. Yeah, good match. And the Storm were pushed in this game. The, the Titans weren't expected to win. I know the Storm were missing a few players, but they're still fairly strong. Brandon Smith had a huge game, uh, the block of cheese. Actually, you know, he's calling himself the shredded cheese. The shredded, the shredded cheese at the moment, isn't he? <laughs> mozzarella, mozzarella. Because Bit of a carry on because of the, the buffet. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But he's he's definitely dropped some weight as the season's gone on. He's played more and more football. He looks really good. Had a strong performance. Uh, Remus Smith played really well, but um, was put on report for a for a high tackle. George Jennings scored a great try off a of Nico Hines pass. Did you see that try? Yes, I did. I believe we have the audio audio for it as well. 32 out. Nielsen's angry. So he runs into the defence. Good tackle though. Solid hit there from Jolliff to stop in 25 out. The storm to the right through Johns and Hughes and Hines to the edge. Beautiful pass. George Jennings is away to the corner. Hits the defence. Rolls over the top of Campbell and Wallace to score the try for Melbourne. How good. Rolls over the top. I love it. 
Quinton Hull. Well done. Great call on that George Jennings try. Not all bad news for the Titans, though. They got a few players that made their debut. Yes, Greg Marzu and Jaden Campbell made their debut on the weekend, so it was pretty exciting for them. Yeah, Greg Marzu crossed for a try, and Jaden Campbell's the son of Preston Campbell, a former Titans great, Panthers great, Sharks great. He's just an all-round good guy and, and one of the best players that played the game. He actually won the Dalian medal one year as well. And they played in the same jersey, isn't that correct? Yeah, they're both both number ones, both fullbacks. So it was, uh, it was a really nice... Uh, thing to watch after the game, they, they embrace each other and no doubt dad was very proud. How special. And the last game for the round was the Knights against the Eels. Knights, old boys day. They couldn't turn up for their fans and for the old boys. What an upset. But good news for the Parramatta Eels. They're in a, a bit of form at the moment and Mike Acevo scored his 50th try in the NRL. So he continues to have such a high strike, strike record. Uh, I think he ran over the top of Stafford Tyre uh, to score his 50th try and it was a barnstorming run. He, he, yeah, I felt bad for Stafford. He, he did his best to stop him, but it's hard to stop the big Fijian. Huge, huge human. But Dylan Brown, he was on for Parramatta. Good to see Dylan Brown back in the side uh, after serving his suspension. And yeah, he looks he looks, looks so good, Dylan Brown. Hmm. Hey guys, I got a bit of a stat about the 50th try by Mike Acevo. Yes. Uh, from the incredible Johnny Gibbs. Gibbsy. He's just... Like that brain just keeps hold of so much information. It blows my mind. He's got some really good one-liners as well. <laughs> he does. I love listening and to Some of the you. phrases he uses, like the turn of phrase. Yeah. You should definitely be listening on Radio Australia. So Mike Acevo has scored 50 tries in 59 games. So he's the third fastest player to do it in the NRL. Beaten only by Semi Randrandra and Suliasi Vunavalu, who did it in 53 and Semi did it in 52. That's games. insane. And the the Fijians. It's the Fijians. Literally flying Fijians. I don't know what happened to me then. Two of those are Parramatta players too. So Semi goes to rugby and in comes Mike Acevo. Like it's a fair trade-off for them. I mean, that's what you're looking for in a winger. You're looking for a strong finisher. Yeah. he's he's He looks scary when he scores tries, Mike Acevo. He's what, played fifth, from 59 games, 59 he scored games. 50 tries. Yeah. Oh my God, what a career. Yeah. And the thing is, he's only scratching the surface of his career. Yeah, yeah. He's um, he's in, in great touch for the Eels and it's well done to, to Micah for, for getting that um, getting that achievement. So over to Super Rugby, your sport, there was, uh, we, we've talked a lot the last few weeks about the struggles of the Australian teams in the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman, but did that continue on the weekend? No, because it's a new day, Dean. The Brumbies finally defeated the Hurricanes 12 to 10. Well, not finally, because it was their first opportunity to do so, but the Brumbies clocked their first win for the season. Yeah, well done to the Brumbies, and the Canes have been undefeated so far in the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman. They pushed them all the way to the end. I believe the Hurricanes had a late try disallowed, and then they had an opportunity to, to kick a goal at the end of the game to win it. But Parrott just couldn't slot it. Jordy he couldn't. He had, a, I, th- I believe he had three opportunities to, to convert some kicks throughout the game. Um, unfortunately for him, the nudge wasn't on. But luckily for the Brumbies boys, they get their first win. It was a really special round down at Canberra Stadium. It was their Pacifica round. It was really cool because there was some content released throughout the week to promote the round. And the jerseys that they wore was made up of different artwork um, representing different islands, um, representing the players that are in their team as well. I believe they also had names of the players um, of Pacifica Heritage also on their jerseys. It was also old boys round. Really piece of cool content came out afterwards. All the boys in the change rooms singing the club song together. Absolute scenes down at Canberra Stadium. They, they celebrate their diversity really well, the Brumbies. That's something that they continually see. So well done to them for, for putting that in. In the other results in, in the Super Rugby, the Crusaders defeated the Force 29-21. to 21. 
The Highlanders defeated the Waratahs 59-23. The Reds went down to the Blues. Uh, 31-24 was that final score. And the Chiefs defeated the Rebels 36-26. It's really sad. What's, I think it's... Uh, it's a sad report. <laughs> 18-2, I think, sir. Yeah, the record no, that's, that's correct because the first one was by, remind me, the Queensland Reds. Reds. Yes. Queensland Reds last week. This week, Reds, it's like the Aussie teams turned on, but it's a little bit too late now. They can't make the finals, right? Oh, and my poor Waratahs, they didn't win our game at all this season. They're still around to go, so they've got a chance to, to maybe, get a win. Maybe they're saving it. They are scoring points. See, we had this conversation last week and you laughed, but now you're saying the same thing I said to you last week. My boys are scoring points. I'm trying to find some good in the bad. Oh, you're making that sound like it's really hard. They're scoring points, <laughs> but they're conceding a lot. <laughs> a lot more. Australia. Can you be more Pacific? So we're lucky enough to be joined today by Murray Taolungi. He's a winger with the North Queensland Cowboys. He's of Samoan descent. He was born in New Zealand, but now calls Townsville his home. He's scored plenty of tries this year. He's, he's on the wing on the end of a, a really strong back line and he's thriving at the moment as a cowboy. So welcome Murray to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Stoked to have you on, Murray. It's Sarah here. We like to open up this segment with a quick kind of um, two-minute part. Not even two minutes. It's about a minute. Would you say so? It's called Tip on Questions, and basically I ask you a series of questions. I don't want you to think too much of it. I just want you to say the first answer that comes to mind. Does it sound good? Yep. No worries. All right. Let's hit it. Beach or pool? Uh, beach. Which is better, the book or the movie? Movie. What's your guilty pleasure? Ah, uh, sweet. <laughs> sweet. Instagram or TikTok? Uh, Instagram. What are you reading, watching, or listening to right now? Um, just finished the series Ragnarok. Nice. What was your first concert? Um, wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> Fair. Next question. Do you have a hidden talent? Um, I can beatbox. <laughs> Hey, I'm going to hold you to that one. Texting or talking on the phone? Uh, talking on the phone. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at keeping secrets? Um, five. Oh, big mouth. <laughs> favorite movie as a kid? Um, favorite movie? I have a TV show, Simpsons. Love it. Is double dipping at a party ever acceptable? No. What's something you could eat for a week straight? Pasta. Pasta. Great. You did that. You did that pretty well. Yeah, you nailed it. I was nervous. <laughs> it's well, the ticking clock that makes you nervous, yeah. right? Yeah, it does. <laughs> We're going to come back. We're going to come back because you, you said you had a hidden talent and you were pretty open about it. Can you give us a sample of your beatboxing? Oh, my throat's a bit sore. <laughs> oh, excuses. Not even one beat. I was going to say singing, but I oh, know that's, that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's get into it then. And Murray, how, how has it been your first few years uh, playing in the top grade? It's no doubt it's a, it's a bit of a, a difference. How, how long have you actually been up in Townsville? Um, since twenty seventeen, so I moved out up here straight out of school. Yeah, right. And and how is how is the environment there? Learning to become a first grader in the NRL, what's it been like? Um, no, it's been really good. Uh, you just got to be real strict with your. I'm having I have problems with my my diet. 
So that's one thing I've got to be better at is just learning um, what to eat and what not to eat and just trying to be professional um, every day. So, yeah, pretty much that. I just want to go back to your junior career, Murray. Uh, you played under-20s for Queensland. How was that like? Um, yeah, it was pretty unreal. Um, had, the, had a couple of the boys that play in Origins that were in that side. And, yeah, the atmosphere at that game was, um, yeah, incredible. You can just feel – I think we played in Sydney one of the my, – my, second under-20s game and just you could just feel the hostility and the even um, yeah, even the different age groups but still you can just tell how much it means to both teams. Murray, am I correct in, in saying that you originally played union but you made the switch to league? What what was it that encouraged you to, to make the jump? So we had this uh, recruitment fella, um, Clinton Jammon up here and he was the only one that sort of made his way to to see me play and like put in the effort to come and visit me and speak to my family. So that, yeah, I'm a really family oriented person. So for him to come out to watch me play school footy and then also to meet us, meet up with my family after, um, yeah, that sort of pushed me towards these fellas. And you talk, you talk about your family, your brother, I believe as well as, is, is playing professional rugby union is, uh, tell us a little bit about him, him and his career. Yeah. So he started, he went to school at St. Kennegan. Um, and then he got a contract to the Reds, so he moved over straight out of school as well. And um, just been travelling the world pretty much. He's been overseas to Japan, um, and now he's um, living in France, playing rugby over there. That's really cool to hear that, I guess, both of you are playing rugby, but different codes. Do you guys still have a lot to talk about when it comes to football? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he wakes up pretty early to watch my games because the time difference. And... Um, always get a message from him before before the game to sort of wish me good luck and we always send text messages or calls every now and then just to keep in touch and sort of just um, give each other feedback on what we can do better or what we've been doing well and just yeah sort of tipping each other up to obviously better ourselves. I love that. I just want to kind of touch back on your rugby union experience because I am a union player myself. I'm just intrigued to know what position did you play? Um, um, I was a fullback, but I was only weighing 70 kgs then. <laughs> you still have to play. You still have to be quick, but you're, you're on the wing at the moment. Um, do you prefer wing or would you see yourself playing somewhere different? Um, I played centre yeah. a couple of games last year. But, yeah, honestly, just I'm happy wherever I am. At least I'm just playing first grade. Just yeah, That's where my main goal is just playing consistent first grade, whether that be on the wing or in the centre. Well, being on the wing, you got to get your, your first hat-trick uh, against the Knights a few weeks ago. What was that like? Oh, it was unreal. I didn't know if I scored that third try, and I thought it might have been disallowed, so I didn't celebrate too much. But, um, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, you don't normally dream of scoring a hat-trick in a game, but, yeah, to do that was um, yeah pretty special. I'm noticing at the moment the Cowboys, you're playing a really good brand of football and it was a bit of a slow start to the season, but it seems as though you're on a bit of a roll at the moment. Things are going well. How's the influence of Todd Payton been in coming back to the club? Yeah, um, really good. He's um, sort of rebooted the whole system. So I think the first couple of weeks we struggled to adapt to the way he wanted us to play and we're sort of learning the new combinations then, but um, yeah, the more practice that we got during the week um, made it a lot easier for us come game day. And um, just with him there as a coach, 
Um, no, he's really supportive of what we do. He's yeah, just a great coach. He doesn't beat around the bush. So, yeah, that's one of the main things that stood out for me. He's pretty straightforward. He's honest, even though it's um, whether it's good or the bad. He's um, yeah, a really honest guy. I actually played with Toddy, and he was always that way as a player as well. He was pretty honest with his teammates. So if you stepped out of yeah. line, he could tell you. And it's a respect that you gain um, by, by being able to tell each other straight up. And, and we're definitely seeing that from him. Did he did he give you a a bit of a break over the bye week, but with the split round, did he let you get away and, and relax somewhat? Um, so he gave us. So we had a couple of days where we trained, and then he gave us from I think Wednesday to Saturday off. And then, yeah, we came back Sunday and started training again for Manly this week. I guess I just want to touch off the, the off-pitch off stuff. I guess when you're not at training, when you're not preparing for a game, what do you do to switch off as a player? Uh, besides eating, um, normally <laughs> just playing the game. Uh, play, yeah, I play, uh, play the game with some of the other boys um, in the team. Play a bit of Call of Duty or normally I'm just watching movies or heading out to the beach and stuff like that. That's great. Um, I read an article online, well, not necessarily an article, I read a, a, a bit of text online that said that the worst purchase you've made is a smeg kettle. Could you please give us some insight oh, into that? <laughs> get me started. Yeah, me and my missus had a little, a little argument about the kettle. She wanted the smeg and I just wanted the $10 one from Kmart. And <laughs> uh, I told her that it does the same thing. She goes, no, it doesn't. Uh, yeah. Couldn't be bothered arguing and just bought it. You wouldn't believe it. We just had this conversation before we started chatting to you, Sarah and I. And Sarah <laughs> told me that fact about you and said, you can get a cheap one from, from anywhere for like $10, $20. Exactly. It does the same thing. Oh, it does the same thing. I'm like you, Murray. I'm like, if it's cheap and it does the same thing, give that to me. Yeah. If it's free, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair point. Now, listen, there's, there's something that um, that we've been trying to do on the show with myself because I was born in New Zealand but moved to Australia when I was quite young. So I get accused yeah. sometimes of being a bit plastic, as, um, <laughs> as some of my friends tell me. And one of the things we wanted to do is for me to be more Pacific. Is there anything you can teach me that's going to help me be more Pacific? Um, honestly, I'm probably the plastic person too. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, yeah, I'm, I'm the plastic one in the family, so... Yeah, I'm not much help. Um, probably just wear the lava lava more often. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I'll Wait, I actually have something. Murray, last week it was Samoan Language Week. Surely you learnt our phrase, or there's our phrase you can share with us. Um, yeah, I've got one. Oh, Go a on. Basic one. Uh, Talofalava. <laughs> no, that's right. Talofalava, that's all right. Oh, I got one. Yeah. Fafatai. Yeah. Fafatai. Oh. Yeah. There we go. You sound better than me. <laughs> it's because you, it's because I played with some um, with some Samoan girls. So last week I was making a really big deal of the fact that it was Samoan Language Week. So we got everyone up in a circle and um, did a bit of like a I don't know would you call it like a club chat? It was like mealy, 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 mealy. Yes, are you oh, following yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was yeah. fabulous. Yeah, it was so great. Um, I've seen you put that up. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Dean. It's great to know that you actually watch my stories on Instagram, <laughs> Murray. It's been an absolute pleasure being able to speak with you uh, this evening. We want to wish you all the best with your upcoming matches. But um, next time that you're in Sydney, we'd love to have you in studio to come and meet us face to face. No, yeah, I'll be definitely down for that. But well, yeah, thanks again for having me. That was Murray Tolangi, North Queensland cowboy winger and professional beatboxer.
Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. We're going to change up the pace and head over to PNG where Peter Pasal will give us an update on what is happening with PNG Rugby. This is Peter Pasal reporting for ABC Sport Radio Show Can You Be More Pacific from Port Moresby, Papua New Guinea. Today we're talking to PNG Rugby Union National Development Manager Ian Leveris. Ian, tell us about uh, PNG Rugby Union's theme, Rugby for Integral Human Development, and what it entails, and how you came up with that concept, and what you hope to achieve moving forward. Yeah, thank you very much, Peter. Um, our theme, Rugby for Human Development, was based on the premise that um, you know good people make good rugby players. And um, it was very important for us to find out what exactly or how rugby can be used uh, to develop um, a person um, that's participating in rugby so that he or she can um, achieve what they want to achieve out of the sport. Based on that, we came up with a theme, Rugby for Integral Human Development, which focuses on the development of the human being um, as a person as opposed to the uh, human being as a rugby player. It was very important for us that we focus on the person. Based on that, we then had a look at um, what exactly are we developing in that person. And um, through our contacts with a very close friend of ours who's, uh, who's a mental health care worker in Australia, we uh, realised that mental health is a key issue in ensuring that someone is able to um, reach their full potential. And when we talk about mental health, we talk about social and emotional well-being. Emotional meaning um, how that person feels about himself, um, how he manages those emotions, and social meaning, how he then, based on those emotions, interacts with other people. This is on the field, off the field, those interactions? Absolutely, you know, within the rugby environment, at training, uh, on the field on competition day, at their homes, um, at their place of work, at their school, um, in a social setting. Why is it important to focus on this area in a sport like rugby union in a country like PNG? As, as you know, Peter, you know, PNG is a, is, is a big country, and it's a big third world country. And with that comes a whole heap of issues that are occurring in society now that's really um, attacking the very fabric of, of, of who we are as Papua New Guineans. Things like gender-based violence, gender inequality, um, violence against children, um, the elderly, drug and alcohol abuse, depression, anxiety. These are issues that have become very real for us over the years. And um, we feel that you know, there's a lot of awareness that's been raised about that, which is fantastic. A lot of people are talking about you know, the need for Papua New Guineans to start really discussing these issues. But we felt that um, we're not attacking the very root cause of, of what's causing um, you know, a husband or a spouse to get up and violently attack and abuse um, their partner. What's causing somebody to, you know, when they're not feeling well, have a beer and end up drinking a lot, end up being an alcoholic. What, are the, what, what is the root cause? And we found that um, really the root cause is basically how people feel about themselves and the emotions that conjure up, that overwhelm them, that cause them to do stuff that's negative to themselves and other people. And we've seen some of that, that spillover into our games, our competition days on the weekends, things like that. We've had issues um, over the years. So this focus will definitely give people a chance to realise where they're going wrong, what they can do to fix it, or at least appreciate that mental health is, is, a, big, is a big issue. It's a real issue, um, and it's something they need to take notice of and not ignore. Yeah, of course. I mean, the thing about it is we, one thing we've, we've got to realise that sport and how it's played is really a reflection of what's happening out in society in general. Um, so a lot of the violence and abuse that happens in sport, you know, if you really look at the people that are committing these acts, 80 to 90% of the time you'll find that these are people that don't come from very good homes. 
These are people that are having issues, personal issues, uh, um, around depression, around anxiety. And sports is usually a way for them to vent that frustration. Um, so the idea here is that if we can start attacking these issues or if we can start confronting these issues in people's homes, in their work environment, in their social settings, we'll end up with a much more safer and inclusive and supportive environment in sports. All right, Ian, moving on to sevens. Tell us about the World Rugby Sevens Rapid Charge uh, Olympic Qualifier that's taking place this month. Yes, so we have the uh, World Rugby um, Olympic Qualifying uh, Rapid Charge Tournament in Monaco on the 19th and 20th of uh, June. And we've been very lucky to have our PNG Women's Sevens team, the Palais, qualify for that tournament through their performance at the 2019 Oceania Sevens. So they're all set to head off next week on Saturday to take part in the tournament. It'll be the first time for a PNG team in any sport to have reached this stage of an Olympic qualifying tournament. So it's a quite a big achievement for, for PNG. In rugby. any sport? In any sport. Okay. So it's a massive achievement for PNG sport, especially for women's sport. And um, if they qualify for the Olympic Games, which they have a very good chance of doing, it'll be um, an absolute bonus, again, for women's sport and PNG sports in general. So this Sevens uh, Rapid Charge uh, Olympic qualifier is taking place in Monaco. I believe that's somewhere in France. And PNG is in Pool B. Just tell us a little bit about the pools and uh, the seedings and, 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 and who we need to, to look out for, who will be our, our main competition, the ones that uh, most likely we need to beat to qualify for the Olympics. Okay, so P- PNG is um, uh, one of the top three seeded teams in the tournament. So um, we're the top ranked team in Pool B. Um, in Pool A, Russia's ranked first, and in Pool C, France. They're obviously the main, um, our main opponents. If we get through the qualifying stages in, on, in day one, then we'll be facing off against either of those teams. So we've got Kazakhstan, Jamaica and Tunisia. Not very well-known rugby union playing nations, but uh, I'm sure they'll provide a challenge. About our team, the women's team has been picked already. They're in training. Uh, just give us a little bit of a rundown on what their itinerary has been like since they all assembled here in the capital, Port Moresby, and who are the, our key players in that squad. Okay, well, the team's actually been training since uh, last year. So when we had the first lockdown last year in March, all the players were given their training programs and they trained separately. When the lockdown was lifted around September, the team got together as a squad. So as a squad, the team have been training together since September um, 2020. As far as the playing uh, contingent is concerned, we've got a lot of experienced players in the team, players like Kimli Rapila, who's a captain, uh, Fatima Rama, Taiba Lavai, Alice Winsonan. We're looking at those players to play a key role in, in how the team um, uh, performs at, at the tournament. And who's the coach of this team? Coach is Paul Titchens. Um, unfortunately, Paul, due to the whole COVID lockdown and uh, the restriction of travel, Paul's pretty much been based in New Zealand, but he's been setting up um, training programs for the girls to follow. We've got the uh, men's sevens coach, Frank Gabby. He's stepped in to help the team. And since last year, when the team got together for their training, the uh, men's strength and conditioning coach, John Tekwe, He's been part of the um, efforts to assist the girls. What's on in terms of sevens for the rest of the year for our men and women's teams? Okay, so we've got the Oceania Sevens that's scheduled to take place in November. Um, we're waiting for Oceania Rugby to just you know, to give us a green light as to whether that tournament will proceed or not. Uh, we're hoping it does because it'll, it'll be actually quite a big year. Um, oh, sorry, quite a big tournament for this year because we've got the Commonwealth Games that are, that are happening uh, next year. We've also got the uh, Rugby World Cup that's looming and also qualification to the Rugby World 7 Series Tournament, which um, hopefully will restart um, towards the end of this year, early next year. So there's a lot of things happening in terms of sevens in the calendar for the rest of this year and moving into the next year. What's actually happening on the ground here in the country in terms of tournaments and, and players you know, honing their skills and getting ready and PNG Rugby identifying new talent 
or at least the existing talent getting um, game time. As a result of the second lockdown, all competitions have been um, put on hold. Uh, we've just received advice today from our medical officer, Dr. Kapua, who also chairs the uh, Pandemic Management Committee, that uh, rugby plus a whole heap of other sports have been given the green light to resume their competitions and their, and their programs. Um, as far as competition is concerned, um, there won't be any spectators allowed to any of the events that will be um, conducted um, um, uh, during club competitions and tournaments um, until we reach the next stage. So we're all geared and set now to um, resume our, our competitions at club level. And we've also been given the green light to proceed with our provincial tournaments uh, from which we select most of our national teams for 7s and 15s. Finally, Ian, what about the PNG Rugby AGM, it's taking place in two months' time in August. Tell us uh, what's going to happen in that. What's the significance of it uh, moving forward for the union? Yes, so um, our much-awaited AGM will be taking place on the 7th of August. For the last two and a half years, we've had an intra board in place. The intra board have done what they need to do in terms of um, making sure that we're, we're on track in terms of uh, what needs to be done for the union now moving forward. And uh, part of that was scheduling a date for the AGM. PNG Rugby has had its issues over the last three, four years, and uh, I think at, at some stage, um, World Rugby and, and Oceania Rugby actually had to uh, give you some advice or at least uh, direct you into doing certain things just to get back on board and, and you know receive funding and get other benefits uh, from the world body. What is important about this AGM in terms of moving forward and, and achieving goals that will allow PNG Rugby to progress and also... Um, uh, get stuff from, from the, the world body. Yeah, so the important thing about this AGM is that, as I've mentioned, we have an interim executive that's, that's currently in place. We need to now elect an executive, a, a proper executive, um, that's based on them getting voted into office by the provincial unions. That's very important. So one of the big things that we're doing at the moment to make sure that that happens, and we have a legitimate AGM, is um, we've asked all provincial unions to uh, make sure that the, all their issues around governance that's pretty much in compliance with what World Rugby and Ocean Rugby have set up for us, is in place. Um, this is really to protect the integrity of the AGM, so that, as I mentioned, when we do have the elections, we have uh, an, 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 an executive that's been legitimately elected by provincial unions that are representing an association that's based in their province. And that's it on the rugby union front here in Papua New Guinea. It's back to Dean and Sarah in the studio. That was really good listen. I loved what they're doing in terms of their social responsibility and their mental health that we're, they were talking about off the top, um, challenging some of the, the issues that are happening uh, in society, but also taking it from the point of view about trying to encourage people to be better through rugby uh, yes. by encouraging them to uh, have good social and emotional health, uh, which will hopefully result down the track in, in some, some good behaviours. Uh, in, in community. I loved it. He he made a point about good people make good players. And I think that the responsibility that they're taking upon themselves to equip the players with the knowledge that is needed to, I guess, address the social issues that surround the game, or not necessarily the game, the country, um, is a really good step in the right direction. Yeah, very much so. And also really uh, good to see the women's rugby sevens team heading over to Monaco. Hopefully they can get all the way through to the Olympics. Yes, it's really exciting because it'll be such a historic moment for this small nation to not only see a sport on an Olympic stage, but to see a women's sport be the be the people or be the team that kind of trailblazes for the country. They are pulled, I believe, in Pool B. I think it was Pool B that they pool said. Pool B, yes. Yep. Um, but they are pulled with Kazakhstan, Jamaica, and Tunisia. So, Tunisia? T- oh, 
Dang. <laughs> Tunisia. It's been That's it. it's been my stuck word all week. You just nailed it, so. Okay, so I'm basically made new again. Redeemed. Awesome. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. So we're going to tackle some tough issues or some big headlines this week. First off, we're going to talk about the English cricket player who was suspended for some of his historic tweets. They were a long time ago, but they were quite racist and offensive. Yes, I believe um, the tweets were from eight years ago. And for our listeners, the name of the player, please, Dean? Ollie Robinson. Ollie, Ollie Robinson. Robinson. So the English and Welsh cricket board suspended him pending further investigation. He has apologised and... Uh, there's been some reaction uh, from people, particularly the British Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, saying that it's a heavy-handed response to those tweets. He made those comments when he was a teenager and didn't know any better. But what's your thoughts on how how it's been handled and if it's heavy-handed or if it's the correct re- uh, response from cricket? I mean, if you were to ask me about things that I... I guess would have said about eight years ago, I probably wouldn't be proud of some of the stuff. And I guess to not necessarily to defend him or anything, but back then he would have, I guess, done the best with the knowledge that he had. And unfortunately it falls short and he's been held accountable for it because now he has a profile and it's resurfaced and you need to take ownership of it because you've got to own it before it owns you. And I think that despite what people may say that it could have been heavy handed, I think it's the right way to do it because how else are you meant to do it? You can't just let it go without any punishment. I love that. You've got to own it before it owns you. That's a great saying. I'm going to use that. But I I, I agree with what you're saying. He's acknowledged and apologized that he did the wrong thing, albeit, yes, he was young and and perhaps didn't know any better or any different. But he's owned up to it. He's going to be punished for it. And if anything, it serves as a lesson to others to be one to – that that's not accepted. What he what he said is no longer accepted in any way, shape or form, and particularly within in cricket in England and Wales. But also – that if you own up to some of your mistakes, then you can quickly move forward from it and hopefully uh, others learn the same lesson. Hopefully. Hopefully this is an example to any young people that are listening. Be very mindful of what you put on the internet because you never know. One day you just might blow up and it all comes crashing down by a tweet. Without sounding corny, this is from someone that works that's worked with us at the NRL and he says the net doesn't forget, which is very true. As soon as you press send or hit um, put something out there, post, uh, it, it, it can be easily found. The place that you'd post it to, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever, they own that, so it stays with mm. them. Um, people need to be really mindful about what they're doing with their social media. Couldn't have said it better myself. In lighter news, the Tigers-Panthers match, we've already spoken oh, about I the love result. This. But the Tigers fans, are, they get quite emotional whenever Ivan Cleary's in the frame because... He dogged them. He was their former coach and, yeah, he left them high and dry after he'd signed a contract. For, I think he left maybe with two years remaining on his contract, maybe a year, but he wanted to go and coach his son out of Penrith, which I understand, but the Tigers faithful haven't forgotten about that. No, and there's this uh, really great piece of footage that's circulating on the internet because I believe the last time that the Panthers, oh, I guess, yeah, the Panthers had the Tigers, Cleary kind of reacted to a fan in the crowd who was kind of giving it to him and blew him a kiss, which looked like a, a kiss to the fans, the Tiger fans. And that went a little bit viral. It did. It did. And then in response to the Tigers winning on the weekend, at La- was it at Leichhardt? Yeah, was at Leichhardt like like yeah. Oval, they gave him the one finger salute. Yeah, there was a lot of fingers, one fingers up in the air for uh, poor Ivan. 
I won't call him Paul Ryman, but he's up in the, the coach's box. And, um, You're just salty at him. No, I'm not salty. Look, I've met Ivan a couple of times. Seems like a lovely fella. Okay. I am a Tiger, so I yeah, had a bit of a chuckle when the, the Tigers fans were, were giving him uh, a bit of a yeah a salute, as you say. And uh, it was funny. I was on the sideline for the game, actually, and I turned around. The whole stand was pointed at, <laughs> at the coach's box and the lower, the lower concourse. They couldn't even see him. No, they couldn't see him. But they, they were just, just reacting to the people reacting. behind like, him. Everyone's, everyone's giving it to Ivan. Let's all do it together. That was kind of like love it. Like feel. So, yeah, look, it was it was funny, and I think he uh, handled it pretty well actually in the post match. Yeah, I believe yeah, he didn't even acknowledge it to be honest. But I mean, I love it. I love a bit of banter between the coach and and, and uh, fans. Yeah, banter's always good. Now to Fiji and their football football association has been sending rations to some of its footballers. Yeah, it was a really um, beautiful, I guess, response. I mean, I don't know if beautiful is the right word, but it was a really strong response from the Fiji Football Association. Um, They sent food rations to about 18 of their players. I guess it's an acknowledgement of football is the main source of income for these boys. Um, And with football kind of taken out of the picture, I guess in a response to assist them and ensure that I guess their livelihood isn't affected, they responded by sending food rations. Yeah, it's it's uh, a nice gesture. Obviously, um, difficult times for, for those players and, and others uh, in Fiji that have been affected by COVID, that are in lockdown, that, are, that can't go out and work uh, to earn their living. But the Football Association doing what it can for its players to make sure that they're, they're well looked after in a tough time. It's a really great response. Heading over to cricket, something cool that came out in the media this week is that the Samoa International Cricket Association General Manager Sala Stella Siele has been selected to participate in the Cricket Future Leaders Program. Um, I guess what's really unique about this process is that over 300 applicants applied to be part of this program uh, from 45 different countries, and she was one of the lucky ones. So um, I guess it's really important to highlight this because we talk about often on this show that when you put women in positions of leadership, um, they have the potential to influence generation. And I think that, I guess, her inclusion in this program can only mean such good things for the country of Samoa. And they're going through some real big changes, particularly seeing females um, in leadership roles. So I'm pretty excited by this. It's exciting news. And well done, Sala. That's going to be uh, huge for her to be able to participate in that, that program, that future leaders program. No doubt uh, what she learns in that she can take back to Samoa, help put them further on the map in international cricket, help grow the game in, uh, domestically. And yeah, it, it's it's only a good thing, like you say, we, we, we talk about it a lot. If we want things to change, we need to have a seat at the table. I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of women here. I can't do that because I'm not a woman. <laughs> but when women have a seat at the table in leadership roles, change can be made more readily. And the fact that the uh, ICC is willing to put these programs in place and encourage women like Sala to, to be involved, uh, it can only be a good thing. I absolutely agree with you. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Looking forward to sport this weekend. I want to start off with Super Rugby. A fixture amongst the many that are happening is the Brumbies versus Highlanders that I'm really looking forward to. The Brumbies will be hosting them at Canberra Stadium. They'll be looking to secure their second consecutive win. Don't necessarily know if it's going to happen. Trans-Tasman record tells us that Australia teams don't have a lot of luck, but let's just back the boys. Yeah, look, hopefully they can go two in a row and... and Give some sort of uh, pride, I guess, for the for the Aussie teams to, to finish off the competition. Uh, the Highlanders uh, are the low, one of the lower ranked uh, New Zealand sides, so yeah, it'd be a nice feather in the cap for the Reds if they can do that. And what about over in the NRL? One of the, a couple of matches that uh, we're looking forward to. It's uh, the Warriors versus the Storm up at the Central Coast, and this is a big event. It's going to be a bit of a party. Yeah, they're having a party, and 
Not many people know who Dragon are. I know who Dragon are. I don't know who that is. But Dragon is a, a formerly a Kiwi band. They moved to Australia. They, they've they've done a little bit around the world, but they moved to Australia and kind of like a crowded house Aussie adopted Kiwi band. Um, a number of tracks that if you hear them, you'll probably be familiar with them. April Sun in Cuba. Um, are you old enough? They're still not ringing a bell to you, but um, yeah, I'm looking at you like some, the hell are you saying? There'll be some <laughs> listeners, probably my my age and, and a bit older, that would know, but. Really good initiative from the Warriors to be able to host a party, create a carnival atmosphere and um, get some people there around a band that some people recognise. I think it'll be a bit of like a festival of rugby league. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Ringing any bells? Can I tell you what this honestly reminds me of? When I've been in the pub for too long and this kind of music starts playing. That genuinely is what this reminds well, me of. Well, it is one of those late sing-along songs. Yeah. And this is me being in Australia for too long and being too many rugby league parties where you just sit around and sing these songs. Love it. I do love that. Other NRL matches this weekend? The Eels and the Tigers. Yeah, well, the Eels uh, had a good win last weekend and they're looking to... So did the Tigers. And the Tigers did as well. <laughs> so the Tigers, two in a row, looking for three in a row against the Eels who sort of surged back last week after some probably underwhelming performances uh, recently. But um, they, yeah, they, they had a really good win against the Knights. They actually thrashed the Knights up on Old Boys Day there at Hunter Stadium. And they'll be looking to uh, keep that going against the Tigers who have just announced that they've brought back to the club their coach that won them a premiership in 2005, Tim Sheens. Yes, and I believe his role is head of sports performance. Is that correct? Uh, I'm a bit fuzzy on the title because they've got the structure at the moment. They've, they've got a head of football or a, a general manager of football already. Yes. They've got a head coach, obviously. They're just – I'm not too sure. They, they mentioned a floating role. He's a floating role. I don't know what that means. I don't necessarily know what it means, but to have a, someone like that on your staff could only mean such good thing for your boys. Someone that's been around the game understands it, knows how to build those connections, knows how knows how to win. He is a big footy brain, so yeah, hopefully he brings that that amount of knowledge, that wealth of knowledge, with him to. to yeah, I wonder how success. that transfers, like from like like his brain to like on field performance. Well, in a premiership one year when he was there, that was probably one example of it. But yeah, but. You know what I mean? Like the day-to-day, like, how, like yeah. is he changing well, yeah, the format of training? I get, what, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, yeah I'm not too sure. Maybe bringing some perspective from the other side of the world. He's been in the UK for a while. and Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm just, I'm just interested to see how, I guess, his involvement now influences on-field performance. Yeah, no, it's a fair question. Yeah, that's... Well, the guy that left the game probably a few years before Tim Sheens did is Carmichael Hunt, and he's making a return for the Brisbane Broncos. Yes, after 12 years, he returns after an SOS call from the Broncos, and um, it's pretty exciting. I mean, you and I have spoken about him in previous uh, episodes. He's had a pretty colourful career. He's dabbled in a couple of codes, AFL, Union, and now he finds himself back in the fold. Yeah, and he, he debuted as a youngster. I think he was 17 when he debuted for the Broncos. So He's going back to where he started. Going back to where he started. And he was a talent. Like He was fearless the way he carried the ball as a young guy. Lots of skill. He had a really good step, very similar to Benji's step. Lost like a, a slight difference, but um, really good footwork. Like I said, fearless. And, um, and a good man. Good guy. Played a lot of games uh, for the Queensland and for the Kangaroos as well. So he's got lots of rep experience. I love it. Interesting to see how he goes. Yes. Dean, as always, been a pleasure. It was a great show, Sarah. Same time, same place next week. Yes. And if you missed the show or you just want to listen to the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2 p.m. PNG time, or you can find all of our episodes on Radio Australia website. And how good the Blues got up last night. Matolo kia. What there? 
Omaha Pacific, an ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.